This is section two of The Curious Republic of Gondor and Other Whimsical Sketches. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Curious Republic of Gondor and Other Whimsical Sketches, segment two, A Memory. When I say that I never knew my austere father to be enamored of but one poem in all the long half-century that he lived, persons who knew him will easily believe me. When I say that I have never composed but one poem in all the long third of a century that I have lived, persons who know me will be sincerely grateful. And finally, when I say that the poem which I composed was not the one which my father was enamored of, persons who may have known us both will not need to have this truth shot into them with a mountain howitzer before they can receive it. My father and I were always on the most distant terms when I was a boy, a sort of armed neutrality, so to speak. At irregular intervals this neutrality was broken, and suffering ensued. But I will be candid enough to say that the breaking and the suffering were always divided up with strict impartiality between us, which is to say, my father did the breaking, and I did the suffering. As a general thing, I was a backward, cautious, unadventurous boy, but I once jumped off a two-story table. Another time I gave an elephant a plug of tobacco and retired without waiting for an answer. And still another time I pretended to be talking in my sleep and got off a portion of a very wretched original conundrum in the hearing of my father. Let us not pry into the result. It was of no consequence to any one but me. But the poem I have referred to as attracting my father's attention and achieving his favor was Hiawatha. Some man who courted a sudden and awful death presented him an early copy, and I never lost faith in my own senses until I saw him sit down and go to reading it in cold blood, saw him open the book, and heard him read these following lines with the same inflectionless judicial frigidity with which he always read his charge to the jury, or administered an oath to a witness. Take your bow, O Hiawatha, take your arrows, jasper-headed, take your war-club, Pugawagan, and your mittens, Minjikawan, and your birch-canoe for sailing, and the oil of Mishinama. Presently my father took out of his breast-pocket an imposing warranty deed, and fixed his eyes upon it and dropped into meditation. I knew what it was. A Texan lady and gentleman had given my half-brother Oren Johnson a handsome property in a town in the north, in gratitude to him for having saved their lives by an act of brilliant heroism. By and by my father looked towards me and sighed. Then he said, "'If I had such a son as this poet, here were a subject worthier than the traditions of these Indians.' "'If you please, sir, where?' "'In this deed.' "'Yes, in this very deed,' said my father, throwing it on the table. "'There is more poetry, more romance, more sublimity, more splendid imagery hidden away in that homely document than could be found in all the traditions of all the savages that live.' "'Indeed, sir? Could I—could uh, I get it out, sir? Could I compose the poem, sir, do you think?' "'You?' I wilted. Presently my father's face softened somewhat, and he said, "'Go and try. But mind, curb folly. 
no poetry at the expense of truth keep strictly to the facts i said i would and bowed myself out and went upstairs hiawatha kept droning in my head and so did my father's remarks about the sublimity and romance hidden in my subject and also his injunction to beware of wasteful and exuberant fancy i noticed just here that i had heedlessly brought the deed away with me now at this moment came to me one of those rare moods of daring recklessness such as i referred to a while ago without another thought and in plain defiance of the fact that i knew my father meant me to write the romantic story of my half-brother's adventure and subsequent good fortune i ventured to heed merely the letter of his remarks and ignore their spirit i took the stupid warranty deed itself and chopped it up into hiawathian blank verse without altering or leaving out three words and without transposing six it required loads of courage to go downstairs and face my father with my performance i started three or four times before i finally got my pluck to where it would stick but at last i said i would go down and read it to him if he threw me over the church for it i stood up to begin and he told me to come closer i edged up a little but still left as much neutral ground between us as i thought he would stand then i began it would be useless for me to try to tell what conflicting emotions expressed themselves upon his face nor how they grew more and more intense as i proceeded nor how a fell darkness descended upon his countenance and he began to gag and swallow and his hands began to work and twitch as i reeled off line after line with a strength ebbing out of me and my legs trembling under me the story of a gallant deed this indenture made the tenth day of november in the year of our lord one thousand eight hundred six and fifty between joanna s e gray and philip gray her husband of salem city in the state of texas of the first part and o b johnson of the town of austin ditto witnesseth that said party of first part for and in consideration of the sum of twenty thousand dollars lawful money of the u s of america to them in hand now paid by said party of the second part the due receipt whereof is here by confessed and acknowledged having granted bargained sold remissed released and aliened and conveyed confirmed and by these presents do grant and bargain sell remiss alien release convey and con firm unto the said aforesaid party of the second part and to his heirs and assigns forever and ever all that certain lot or parcel of land situate in city of dunkirk county of chautauqua and likewise furthermore in york state bounded and described to it as follows herein namely beginning at the distance of a hundred two and forty feet north half east northeast by north east northeast and northerly of the northerly line of mulligan street on the westerly line of brannigan street and running thence due northerly on brannigan street two hundred feet thence at right angles westerly northwest by west and west half west west and by north northwest by west about i kind of dodged and the bootjack broke the looking-glass i could have waited to see what became of the other missiles if i had wanted to but i took no interest in such things End of section two.